0: Now it's my privilege to introduce our keynote speaker and moderator for today's program. Another member of Atlanta University Center, delighted, I'm, I'm, excuse me, we're delighted to welcome Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, faculty at Clark Atlanta University School of Business Administration. Dr. Kimbrough is not only a tireless leader, educator, best-selling author, or and or business school professor but he is also a well-known author on leadership wealth and success he received his ba degree from the university of oklahoma and a doctorate from northwestern university where he studied wealth and poverty among underdeveloped countries he has appeared on the today show cnn and had and the new york times and USA Today on numerous occasions, sharing the keys to success and achievement. Today, he'll speak to us about the importance of education within the black community, the impact of historically black colleges and universities, and professional growth. To help facilitate this discussion, I'm happy to introduce the moderator for today, Ms. Angelique Proctor, a reporter for Fox 5 for almost 30 years. Before joining Fox 5 in 1994, Miss Proctor, an Atlanta native, was an investigative reporter in Jacksonville, Florida. She also has reported and anchored in Cincinnati, Ohio, and various parts of Georgia. She is a graduate of Grady College of Journalism at the University of Georgia, and most notably, a member of the first African-American sorority, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, Incorporated. So I'm pleased to call her my soror. Please welcome both Ms. Proctor and Dr. Kimball to the stage.
1: Uh, You are
2: one of the most engaging professors in post-secondary education, so it is going to be an honor to speak
1: with you. We'll try to have some fun.
2: And I'm also going to mention that both my mother and sister are graduates of Clark Atlanta University, so I have much love for your institution. Uh, We're going to be talking today about the transition from college to corporate America. Mm. And we will take questions from the audience. Uh, online as well as in the room. So feel free as you hear things to jot them down and you will get an opportunity to speak with Dr. Kimbrough as well. Let us first begin by having you describe the viability and importance of a partnership between an HBCU and corporate America. What does a very good partnership look like?
1: Well, it looks like win-win. As you know, Stephen Covey wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and habit number four is all about negotiation. But it goes beyond that. I mean, what Portia is doing, particularly with Morehouse and HBCUs, first of all, what do you even know about historically black colleges and universities? You got 105 HBCUs in 19 different states, and only 330,000 black students attend these HBCUs. That's less than 5% of the entire HBCU enrollment. So we get 5% of the kids, but we produce 30% of the African-American graduates. I mean, all right, so take a look at me. Okay, so uh, my internist. My internist finished from um, Emory Medical School. But where did he go undergrad? He went to Hampton. Okay, the only 45,000 black doctors in the United States. Look at my dentist. My dentist went to Harvard Medical School. Uh, Harvard Dental School, but where did he go undergrad? He went to North Carolina Central. <laughs> Look at my CPA, and where did my CPA go? My CPA went to Wiley College. So I salute Portion. I salute Corporate America. You are truly, truly doing the Lord's work, and you are producing the Black Middle Class. That's what that relationship looks like.
2: Fantastic. So you have said success is something that you attract, not something you pursue, which is contrary to what one would think. Explain.
1: Well, as soon as I walked into the facility, first thing I'm doing is looking at the the screen and you're given this collage of black achievers. What do they all have in common? I mean, I dedicated my academic career and prior to that about achievement and about leadership. And the common core that they have is vision. I mean, success and and wealth and achievement, it's not how big, it's not how broad, it's not how vast, it's not how rich, it's not how influent. I mean, it's uh, how many people that you've touched along the way how many people have you made a difference in the life of and that's not me that's Nelson Mandela that's Martin Luther King there's only four things in life you want to do number one you want to make a difference number two you want to make a difference with somebody else who wants to make a difference number three you want to make a difference with somebody else that wants to make a difference doing something that makes a difference but number four you want to make a difference with somebody else who wants to make a difference doing something makes a difference angelique at a time when it makes all the difference in the world and that's what Porsche did with this child right here at morehouse yes, you don't know how far that handshake and that dollar that you gave that child is going to extend now the brothers in business administration man i don't know what you're going to do you might go corporate you might start your own business but i know one thing you're going to do when you stood up at that mic and I was looking at the way you walk to that mic. You walk like you were about your business. So I know you're going to influence somebody's life. Now, who set the foundation for that? Well, I know mama and daddy, that you all played in your you know, group. But sooner or later, you had to have some type of help along the way. And that's why the Lord probably blew breath in that man's lungs right there, the CEO of Porsche. He said, let me make a difference in this child's life. And I salute you.
2: Fantastic. So based on your many interactions with corporate leaders, and we all know about your book, and we know you've talked to a whole lot of them, in your opinion, what is the key to great leadership?
1: Oh, level five leadership. And that's not me, that's Jim Collins of Good to Great. That's Tom Peters in Search of Excellence. Like I said, Stephen Covey. What the hell is level five leadership? It's high concern for people, but high concern for productivity, too. I mean, you know, if you look at LinkedIn, LinkedIn gives you five pillars and the like. And what I've seen with my leadership, you know, I was privy, you name them, I probably interview them. The folks that you showed on this collage, and I was telling Angelique, just the people The game-changers that came into my class completely and totally unannounced. So I've been privy in my life. And I remember when I surveyed the top 150 African-Americans in corporate America. And I don't care whether they worked in corporate America or I interviewed John Johnson, Steve Harvey spoke in my class. I interviewed Damon John, Tyler Perry, all of them. I found four common cords in all these men and women. And anybody can apply these common cords to your life. Number one, they dream big dreams. They had a dream, a passion, a purpose, something that they desperately wanted to do in their life. If I asked you what you do for a living, what would you tell me? Would you tell me that it's hard? Would you tell me that it's drudgery? Would you tell me I feel every second of the day? Would you tell me, oh, I can't stand that? Well, maybe you might tell me that you're on a mission. And maybe you might tell me that, uh, you know, you're committed about your job. Well, that's the common core that you need. Maybe you might tell me that you're passionate. So you take commitment and passion and you place it together. And brother, you are on the fast track of success. Why? because the passionate committed mind can never be defeated did you hear what i said i said the passionate committed mind can't be defeated if the passionate committed mind could be defeated there'd be no Oprah winfrey there'd be no tyler perry there'd be no steve harvey there'd be no nothing so they dream big dreams number two they believed in themselves when no one else will They believed in themselves when no one else will. And that's why I like that entertainer when she says, I don't care if people like you, I don't care if people love you, I don't care if people despise you, I don't care if people can't stand you, but when you go home and you look in that mirror, you better like what you see. You better believe in yourself when no one else will. Number three, they were bent on serving somebody. Service is the price you pay for the space that you occupy. And anybody can serve. Look, damn it, if you do what you are deemed to do on your job description, what do you get? Well, you get a paycheck. But if you go above and beyond what you're supposed to do, baby girl, what do you get? You get opportunity. And the angels are always on the side of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, like I said, they wanted to make a difference in someone else's life. There I am, uh, and I don't know if everybody <laughs> knew or not. And Keith, I said, Keith, I want a picture of me and him. I want a picture of me and her, you know, of, of your leaders right here. Because when everybody was eating, I was interviewing them. I mean, Angelique, I mean, the, you're in this environment, and I'm always looking to take in information, and they always. I, they, were, they were so expressive about their team at Porsche. You are so lucky that you are led by a team who cares about you. Yeah. That's EQ, that's emotional intelligence. Don't get caught up in the words DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, because I don't know how you're gonna feel about that. But take DEI, put it in the washing machine, hot water, put it in the dryer, it's super hot, and shrink this bad boy down. And what is it? It's caring. That's all it is. What the hell does Outback Steak have to say? Outback Steak says you can't fake steak. Well, you can't fake caring either. And that's not me, that's Malcolm Gladwell and Tipping Point. How many of you read Gladwell's book, Tipping Point? 330 pages. And in those 330 pages, what does he say? He said that any problem, listen to me, Portia, he said any problem. He didn't care if the problem is bloodshot eyes. He didn't care if the problem is shaving bumps. He didn't care if the problem you can't find your father with a road map. He didn't care if the problem is eviction, that you just lost your job. He said any problem can be solved if only enough people care. And that's what diversity is. Diversity is a blessing, is a tool used by executive leaders, and it's a bridge where they show people and give them an opportunity to be more effective in their current assignment. That's all it is. And what is inclusion? Inclusion doesn't mean a seat at the table. I'm going to tell you the same thing that the Napoleon Hill Foundation told me when they asked me to finish Napoleon Hill's book. What the hell do you want a seat at the table? When the table, when the table was erected, it didn't even have you in mind. Forget about the seat of the table. Inclusion is the ability to accept an idea no matter where it comes from. That's inclusion. And I've seen that first and forehand. Now tomorrow, I speak at Delta. And there I am with Ambassador Andy Young. And when he told me this story, he said for almost 20 years, he damn near had to beg Delta Airlines, Fortune 75. Had to damn near beg, you know, Delta Airlines. Man, when are you guys going to get a flight from Hartsfield-Jackson to Africa? And there's Delta Airlines, they got all the Ivy League-trained MBAs and everything. Nah, that's not a good idea. Nah, nah. nah man, come on, you gotta have a flight from Atlanta to Africa, jo- to Hansburg, whatever. A- no, nah, no, nah, nah. Damn near, 20 years later, Delta said, all right, all right, all right. Now you go, in the book, go online. Delta Airlines, on a daily basis, 4,000 flights every day, Monday through Sunday. And of those 4,000 flights, their top five, one of their top five, is Hartsfield-Jackson flight 0210 to Cape Town, South Africa. Wow. Wow. That's inclusion. So there I am with Carl Ware. Who the hell is Carl Ware? Highest ranking African-American one time for Coca-Cola and he had to beg Coca-Cola. Man, when are we gonna start selling our products over in Africa? Ah, that's not a good idea, man. Come on, uh, come on. Now, come on, man. When are we gonna start selling over in Africa? One year goes by, five years go by, a decade goes by, 15 years goes by, and they said, all right, Carl, just to shut you up, we'll give it a shot. Carl Ware told me, and I'm not knocking Delta and Coke. He said it was like pulling teeth to get these guys to see. 15 years goes by, and look at Coca-Cola now. They finally sell to South Africa. South Africa and the whole continent of Africa is only second to North America and Europe in Coca-Cola sales and, and, and market share. And let me tell you something. Warren Buffett wouldn't be nearly as wealthy as he is right now if it weren't for Carl Ware. Where did Carl Ware go undergrad? Clark College. That's inclusion, and that's where we need to be.
2: Wow. So we're talking about Clark College HBCUs. How can they promote diversity while still preparing students for the reality
1: of corporate America? Diversity is not a department. It is not a department. Diversity is a mindset. I don't care what your business card says. I don't care which functional area you work in. You know that regardless of your key result area, your duties and responsibilities, you're all about the customer service business. So when you walk Porsche and you might see a patron, you might see a customer driving one of those vehicles and everything, and you're wearing that Porsche polo, and you're in the checkout line of Publix. Hey, how you doing, man? Thanks for buying the product. It's all about engaging. It's all about connecting. It's all about relationships. It is all about customer service. Well, it's the same thing with DEI. Because you know you're not at your best until you're in a diverse, inclusive environment. And that's not me. That's McKinsey and Company. That's Forbes and Fortune said that. What did Fortune magazine say? Said those organizations and companies with diverse, inclusive environment... They give more than, they produce more than 33% to the norm, to the bottom line. And that's what Generation X and Generation Z want. I I see you got some Generation Z in here. Generation Z is our digital generation. And it's our most racially diverse generation. And there are five pillars that they abide by. And pillar number five is they want to work in large, corporate, Fortune 500 companies where they can make an impact that are diverse and inclusive. So Generation Z corporate America is looking for you. So my question to you, corporate America, are you looking for them? And if you want them, you got to flip the script. Look, when W. Clement Stone asked me to finish Napoleon Hill's book, people say to me, How did you rip Napoleon hell off? I said, pump the brakes, baby, pump the
2: brakes.
1: (laughs) I was minding my business. I didn't call them, they called me. I didn't even know Debbie Stone. How did Debbie Stone? this guy was at one time on the top 100 wealthiest in the United States? I didn't even know how he got my number. But word got around what I was doing. I was interviewing folks and I was working on my first book, What Makes the Great Great. So he called me up. And I signed on. He said, I got a proposition for you, young man. You heard the story. So there I am with his last 100 written pages. And they said, Dennis said, we got to send you to Napoleon Hill University. We're going to send you audio tapes, videotapes, so you know this man inside out. You listen to me, Portia. So they sent me an audio tape that Napoleon Hill gave 1959 Chicago, Illinois. And if you think black folks were catching hell in the 70s and 80s, just imagine what what was going on in 1959 in Chicago, Illinois. So I'm listening to the audio tape, and he is giving a presentation to business leaders in Chicago, and after his presentation, he opens up for Q&A. And a woman asks him a question and says, Dr. Hill, um, these principles that you espouse, will they work for anybody? And Napoleon Hill says, uh, clarify, what do you mean anybody? And she says, you know, regardless of race, creed, color. 1959, Napoleon Hill in Chicago, and I heard it on the audio tape, and I dropped out of my seat. He said, let's get something straight right now. There's no such thing as race. That's Napoleon Hill. That was Napoleon Hill. You were born out of pure love. When are you gonna express it? Look, we don't need change, America. What do we need? We need awareness. You need to know who you are and whose you are. And that's what Dr. King was talking about, the beloved community. The beloved community. And you can't love each other until you love yourself. Sometimes you may be in a position where you can't reach back, but sooner or later you gotta be able to reach over you got to make a difference in somebody else's life.
2: Lastly, let me ask you, what is the best advice that you have for your students?
1: Uh, the best advice I have for my students, welcome to the new normal. <laughs> welcome to the new normal. Dr. Kimber. Uh, what is the new normal? Four questions to the new normal. Number one, where have you been? Sooner or later, we got to answer that question. Look, darling, no one in this room is 16 years old. You've been on the planet for a while. Arguably, I am the oldest individual in this presence, in this gathering right now. I'm 72 years old. I've been on this road for a while. So where have you been? Question number two, why are you here? You're here to serve, like I said. Service is the price you pay for the space that you occupy. Number three, what can you do? Well, find your area of excellence. Do you even know your area of excellence? Porsche knows their value proposition. They know their value add. They know what they do better than anybody else. Well, what do you do better than anybody else? When I would ask these questions to my MBA students, hey, everybody in the class, grown folks, I would bring in champagne and we would have a toast right there in class. Do you even know your area of excellence? And you you just need to ask yourself three questions. Number one, what do you love to do? What do you have a passion for? What can you throw your whole heart and soul into? Question number two, what would you do for free? (laughs) If no one ever gave you a dime, if no one ever gave you financial reward for your efforts, what would you do for free? Because when you're doing what you love to do, when you would do it for free, your work is your play. And if your work is your play, you'll never work a day in your life. It is completely symmetrical. What the hell do you think I earned teaching at an HBCU? And it's just not me, it's my colleagues. I mean, come on, man. That is my work and that is my play. What did, Ralph, what did Henry David Thoreau say? Henry Th- David Thoreau said, don't die with your music left in you. What did the rapper Too Short say? It's been way too long, time for the whole world to play my song. Well, when I step in that classroom tomorrow, on Tuesday and Thursday, those 70, 80 kids, they're going to play my music. And how do you play my music? Just like the way you walked up to that podium, I tell myself, "Don't, don't, don't, don't walk in my classroom like that. Sometimes I tell myself, no, you walk out and you come back in and you be about your business. Why? You never know who's looking. You never know who's looking. And I'll get to your last question in a second. We had a couple of corporate recruiters on campus. And uh, they had, they were in career planning and placement. And career planning and placement again the schedule of that day's recruiting. Had an 8 o'clock interview, 9 o'clock interview, 10 o'clock, and 11 o'clock. So the 11 o'clock doesn't show up, and I went to the recruiter. And I said, so what are you gonna do for an hour knowing that the candidate's not here? Are you gonna get on your cell phone and text? Are you gonna check your emails and everything? You know what he told me? He said, none of that. He says, I'm gonna just walk up and down your campus and I'm gonna look for any student wearing a suit. Mm. Any student. So you wearing a suit, what does that mean? That means different and unique. That means I'm not like the rest. That means oh, you got a little Beyoncé Cardi B to you, huh? Yeah, I got it like that, yeah. That means you might need to take a second look at me. And then last but not least, if you can't answer those two questions, go to somebody you respect and admire and go to them and ask, what do you see me as? What do you think I would be good at doing? Now, you gave your sorority a shout-out, a.k.a. when I was a sophomore at the University of Oklahoma, do you know what my frat brothers called me? They called me the professor. <laughs> and I said, man, why do you guys call me the professor? Kimbro, everybody know you got a book under your arm, and if we can't find you, you're someplace in the library, or you're in lab. Anytime they bring a speaker to campus, you always in the front row. <laughs> Fast forward the videotape. I guess they were right.
2: <laughs>
1: I guess they were right. They but were. what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say from... Genesis to Revelations. The Bible says, complete thy noble task. Complete thy noble task. In other words, do what you've been sent here to do. Is that it? That's it.
2: That's it. Thank you so much.
1: Why that's all there is, there isn't anymore. They're going to open up for Q and A?
2: We're going to take some, yeah, we're going to take some questions at this time. I'm sure they have quite a few. So we've got a mic out for anyone in the audience that has a question. Or anyone online. We're taking lots of questions.
0: All right. Perfect. Good afternoon. Wow.
2: Wow. I love a job, Ms. Linda. I, I guess so. How, how mm-hmm. do we top that, right?
1: <laughs> I better be able to tap it Tuesday, top it Tuesday and Thursday. I know that. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. So we're taking questions. So I know you have some. I can't wait to hear you. So
2: there's one. Where? Ah. You could introduce yourself and present your question, please.
0: Thank you, Keith. I'm Courtney Lockett, PFS. Um, first, do we have a collection plate? Anybody have a collection plate? Please begin to pass wow. along. Um, so the question that I have, you said ask yourself the two questions. So after you've asked yourself the two questions, how do you implement uh, a repurposing if you haven't done the steps to get you to fulfill your purpose up until this point?
1: What Booker T. Washington said, start where you are with what you have, knowing that what you have is plenty enough. The universe will answer your questions when you be still. And I'm not talking about spirituality. I'm not talking about religion. You pray, you do your thing, whatever. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, remember the Sabbath. Well, for Christian Americans, the Sabbath is Sunday. For Jewish Americans, the Sabbath is Saturday, Friday. Muslim Americans, Thursday, Friday. I imagine if we went around all 195 countries in the universe, the Sabbath might be on a Monday. The Sabbath might be on a Tuesday. But it says, remember the Sabbath. Well, what does that mean, Courtney? It means remember and take time to realign. Take time to re-engineer. Take time to be still. Take time to recalibrate. Take time every day to refocus. You see, what you're looking for is looking for you. It was the wheel looking for the car. It was the bell looking for the phone. It was the food looking for the plate. So whatever you want, the universe wants you to have it. But we can't be receptive when we're distracted. I tell my students all the time, yeah, I know you got your cell phone and he's charging, but charge it up in a different room. Don't take it. Don't put it on the nightstand. Don't put it on. Charge it up where you can go ahead because you don't know. We speak to God through prayer. God speaks to us through intuition. And you don't know when you're going to get that epiphany. Some of the best ideas I ever got came two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. Some of the best ideas I ever got, I can't run anymore because both of my knees have been replaced oh and i caught corny i almost cried yesterday why because they had the atlanta marathon was yesterday I used to run the marathons can't run them anymore some of the best ideas i got now is when i go walking when i go walking you see nelson mandela was on that rock for 27 years and every the first hour of the day he called it his daily walk with god and the other inmates on robin island said nelson Why do you always smile? I mean, you're the individual who doesn't need to be here. All you did was stand up to the South African government and say that apartheid was illegal. We're the individuals that should be here. We're rapists. We're murderers. We're drug, you know, pushers and this and that. You didn't do anything. We're the ones that did it. Why do you always smile? He said, well, I always smile because I'm engaged with my daily walk on God. And when I walk with God, even when I'm losing, I'm winning powerful metaphor Mm -hmm. powerful metaphor I know you got another question I told Angelique because we're gonna wrap this puppy up I I've been blessed I've been blessed simply because of my writings and this I look I got no ego ain't no we you ever want to find me phone find one of my students because all my students got my cell phone number (laughs) but The people who have come to my class completely and totally unannounced. And I told you Steve Harvey, um, Ayala Van Zandt spoke in my class, on and on and on. So there I am in class, and who came in my class completely, totally unannounced? John Carlos, 1968 Summer Olympic Games. And so when he walked in the class, I knew who he was, but my students didn't know who he was. So suddenly he walks into class, I rolled down my cufflinks, put my cufflinks down, giving you a shout out, girl. I love you so much. Promise me you'll never leave me, baby. And I said, I didn't call his name because I didn't want my students to know. I said, my teaching is over. Come up here and tell my students what they need to know. And so he stood in the pit and I said, who's this individual about to pour into you students? And they were going, "Mm." I said, come on, you've seen this picture before. And I told, I said, on the count of three, I want you to strike the pose, because they didn't know. And I said, one, two, three. And he stood up and had the black. He said, no, I can't. I said, yes. John Carlos, 1968 Summer Olympic Games. So he spoke for about 10 or 20 minutes, and we opened up for Q&A. And one of my students asked him, said, um, do you uh, have any mentors? And he says, yes, I have several mentors, and he says, well, who is your mentor? And he said, Harry Belafonte. And the only reason I said it because I saw Harry Belafonte's picture up. And he says, why Harry Belafonte? Because he told me, Harry Belafonte told me something that I carry with me every day of my life. So what did he tell you? He said, Harry Belafonte lives in Beverly Hills. And he said, the average actor or actress out here in Beverly Hills As soon as they get up in the morning, the first thing they do is call their accountant to find out how much money they have in the bank. Harry Belafonte says, as soon as I get up in the morning, the first people I call is either Nelson Mandela or Martin Luther King. And then he said, who is going to lead a more fulfilling life? And then my student had a follow-up question. Do you have any mentees? This will blow you away. He says, yes, I have one mentee. And the student says, who is it? He said, Colin Kaepernick. Can you see the connection? The hell he caught with that black power and what Colin Kaepernick is going through right now? That's a powerful metaphor for life, students. That's a powerful metaphor. Look, there are only 20 human values, and we shutting this bear boy down right now. (laughs) 20. Number one is achievement. Number one, number 20 is wisdom. And you've got to look at those 20 human values and you've got to ask yourself, what value do I refuse to compromise? And what is the value that I look for in others? I asked your CEO that question and you could see it's dripping on him. Why? Remember when I asked you the value? And what did he tell me? Integrity, character. He told me, he said, people, you know, they talk about technical skills and then blah, blah, blah. And this man told me positive energy. But you guard your character and your integrity like a sacred trust. I love you. I believe in you. You've got 50 million speakers out here who would die to be on this platform right now in front of this audience. But all I'm just going to say is the same thing that Mary told Martha. He's able. God bless.